Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. What's up, Movement Church? Uh, my name is Taylor Gray. I serve as pastor of Linden Life Fellowship, and I'm glad to be with you here this morning or whenever you're tuning in. And um, I hope that I, I have a word from God that's helpful, edifying, encouraging. Um, I believe Mark may have given just a little bit of an intro about who I am. Um, I'm born and raised Columbus, Ohio, and um, I, I, man, it's just so interesting to see the different ways that my city has developed over the years. Um, but I'm glad to be here and be a part of this moment. i uh, got two kids, uh, my wife, Liz, and I, and our family. We live in a neighborhood called Milo Grogan on the northeast side of Columbus. And man, we just observed so many different things in that community and kind of being focused in the inner city has has given us a sense of what it means to be missional during this time with that particular context. So um, I hope that what I share today is is representative of the heart and mission that God has has given me and given our church as we look at this landscape in our society and ultimately where we're headed. So this morning I've been tasked with um, beginning to unpack some of what we see in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. I understand you guys have been in Hebrews for a while, and um, I, I feel like this is almost kind of like an easy assignment because everybody wants to get right into Hebrews 11. At least I think so. So this morning, um, I'm going to speak from Hebrews 11, but we're only going to deal with verses 32 through 40. 32 through 40, Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. And that's typically what people refer to as the hall of faith or for our purposes today, we call them the heroes of faith. So I'm going to begin reading Hebrews 11, starting at verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning and some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, or the ESV says, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. 
All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all that it gives us in order to navigate this life. I pray, God, that you would use this time and that you would help us to see more clearly how you would have us to live. I pray that you would give us the spirit, God. Give us the spirit to interpret your truth, God. Help me to follow and walk in the spirit as I teach during this time, God. Uh, Protect us all, God, with your revelation, your knowledge. Hide me behind the cross so we see Jesus and lift him up. Lift him up. Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's the way to start a sermon is just crash your hands right into the podium. (laughs) Um, I'm going to speak kind of today from a big idea or a topic. Hope doesn't die. Hope doesn't die. And we're asking uh, a bigger question as we think about our heroes. Who do our heroes hope in? Who do the heroes hope in? The term hero has been going through a rebranding process for some time now. Uh, Maybe you don't remember the simpler days where we watched superheroes. Maybe you don't remember some of that. I may be dating myself in some way when I describe heroes or superheroes in this way. We looked at them with a naive glimmer in our eyes as they pranced about in their colored Under Armour and leggings, often using superpowers, superpowers or super intelligence to save the day. And what we didn't emphasize often is that they, they, they had an absolute sense of justice. Maybe that's what made them superheroes to us. They had this absolute sense of justice and an unwavering moral code as they navigated all of these villains and situations the citizens were in that they had to come in and save. They had absolute justice and absolute moral codes. And they were convinced that they knew what to do and what was right. Now we have movies and TV shows that temper our expectations of superheroes. Shows that humanize them and expose their doubts, maybe their warped sense of justice or their immorality. Shows that I know a lot of Christians are maybe not allowed to watch or maybe don't explore themselves, but shows like The Boys or a movie like Unbreakable, where you you see these heroes or superheroes being humanized in some way. And that could be a little bit disorienting if you grew up in the years of yesteryear where superheroes just knew what to do. To see them humanized in this way can kind of throw us off a little bit. But, I mean, we still have this fascination with people who accomplish seemingly improbable feats. When, they, when we see what they do, we're, we're fascinated, we're drawn into that kind of, of representation because we're not used to seeing it. We're always looking for the extraordinary, and that's why superheroes often appeal to us. And if we're not looking for superheroes, then maybe we're just looking for heroes, people who uh, inspire us, men and women whose stories inspire us, whose skills wow us, and we quickly usher them into places of high influence. We ask them to tell us what to do. How do we become like you? Tell us what to do. We, we want to listen to you because your story has captivated us and, and the way that you've lived your life 
Uh, it looks like something we can never do. So now we're in a position to learn from you. And yet if they do something normal, if one of our heroes does something normal, commonplace, then that may disorient us as well. It's hard for us to, to, to see our heroes as normal, everyday people. So when we see them do normal things, like maybe spill something on their shirt or maybe stumble in the middle of the street or maybe forget their lyrics on stage, it's, it's a little disorienting because they're not supposed to make mistakes. What's interesting to me is, is I believe we lift up these heroes in order to distance them from us. When we see them do normal things, we, we don't want them to, to look like us, to sound like us, or to go through the same things that we do. We want them on their platforms. We want them far away from us. We want them on their pedestals so they're not close to us. And we lift people to these places of influence and celebrity so we can escape who we are and the lives we actually have to contend with. The same thing happens when our heroes let us down. We don't just meet them at eye level when they let us down. When our heroes let us down, oftentimes we push them beneath us. We penalize them for not being all that we've lifted them up to be. Now, here's something that I want us to focus on here, and this may be a bit of a, a letdown <laughs> as we consider those who are heroic to us or, or who would be our heroes. Heroes die. Heroes die. They either die literally or they die figuratively. They die literally. They die figuratively. And, you know, in our minds, maybe we think heroes aren't supposed to die. They're supposed to live forever in some shape or form. But we should come to grips with that, that they do die. Harvey Dent in the movie The Dark Knight he made this statement. This is an incredibly well-written movie, so I love quoting from The Dark Knight. He says, either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's a profound statement. And shout out to those writers, man. That's, that's just brilliant the way they were able to encapsulate uh, a piece of our reality in that way. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. In our time, this translates to pop culture's treatment of public figures. If you think of a public figure that is often lifted up or, or maybe seen as a hero in, in our times, so one person, obviously, for me is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, he's, he's lifted up as a person who was heroic, who he accomplished things that many of us never saw possible and, and looking at him as a figure in history is to, to pedestal him to some degree. And yet he, he remains a hero uh, primarily, in my opinion, because he died at such a young age. He was 39 years old when he was assassinated, when he was killed. And, and, and yet at that time, he was viewed as potentially the most dangerous black man in America. He was viewed as a, a communist he was viewed as someone who was a, a troublemaker, almost an enemy of the government in some sense. And yet his, his unexpected death, his assassination and the way that he, had, he died allowed us to remember him differently because of the tragedy. And we now lionize him as a hero in our society. We even have a day off of work because of it. 
And I think that's in large part because he died, literally. And now we can see clearly another version of that story in Donald Trump. Believe it or not, guys, there was a time where Donald Trump was looked at as a hero. He was looked at as someone to to be revered or to to be admired on some level because of his business exploits, because of the celebrity lifestyle he lived. Listen, I'm a child of hip hop and basically looking through hip hop culture or or analyzing our country's history through a hip hop lens. Donald Trump was seen as a guy to aspire to. He was he was a rapper's best friend in a different time <laughs> during a certain period of time. I watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air growing up and one episode they had Donald Trump actually come in as a figure who was a next-door neighbor of Uncle Phil's family. And you know, it was it was just incredible to see just in that capsule of time how people looked at him and ultimately to have him be demonized today. So that quote holds up. Either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And for many people, Donald Trump has now become a villain. You can't even see him in the light before just because he continued to live. We do this, this, this kind of thing with figures in scripture. I think that many of us are prone to minimize what we read in scripture. We We treat it like textbook material. Take our verses today. If we read through these verses and and even earlier in the chapter, we we should see these people as, as humans in actual circumstances, in real circumstances. Even though the context is we admire them and we're looking at them in that light, these are real human beings. These are, these are the people we lionize and we quote their words and we draw inspiration from their lives, but they, they made profound mistakes. They did things that would humanize them on any level. And yet this is hard for us to come to grips with when we learn from them. But in this case, as we, as we read these verses, we see folks who's circumstances, their circumstances teach us about what it means to apply faith, what it means to apply faith. And ultimately their reputation stands or is preserved because of the ways that they have applied their faith. This chapter begins with an interesting description of what faith is. It says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. This is the evidence of things we cannot see. That's how we open this chapter. And as we read further to see what these men and women did, we should conclude that they did this as an act of confident hope in God, a confident hope in God. It may be a little difficult to to try to place confidence alongside a word like hope, but we have to contend with that to even understand what faith is, because faith in God carries confidence with it. Even though we can't see, we can't see everything in in its fullest extent and in its fullest application or in, in the picture of reality that we're aspiring to or that we're seeking after. We still have hope in that reality and the confidence, the assurance that comes with that 
is what faith is. It's assurance in what is not yet seen. These people in this chapter, they, they practice faith in God, not just as a conceptual term to commit to memory, but as a way to live their lives. They had an expectation that the power and the purposes of God would be their evidence that he would confirm their convictions and work in situations beyond what they could see. And yet, as they did these wonderful acts and as we can, we can remember and recollect the stories that we find in the Old Testament about the ways that they applied their faith, they all died. They all died. Their lives on this earth came to an end. But this brings me to my second point. Heroes may die, but hope does not die. Hope doesn't die. In this case, the death of our heroes isn't a letdown. These were people who didn't just die for circumstantial reasons. They believed to see something that lives beyond their circumstances. These are not the heroes we're accustomed to seeing, ones that hope in something beyond themselves, beyond their own abilities, beyond their own lives even. And we, and we find ourselves traveling back to verse one. There's a reality of what they hoped for. There was a confidence, assurance in what they hoped for. The heroes we're used to seeing are constantly navigating everyone else's hope in them. That's how we're used to seeing heroes, that they're navigating the, the, the hope that other people have placed in them to accomplish things, to, to, to amaze them, to operate in abilities that's far from everyone else. And as they navigate this, this hope that people place in them, they're also concerned with, maybe obsessed with preserving that hope as long as possible. They're, they're constantly trying to preserve the hope you place in them. You can count on them for as long as they can continue to perform at that level. But the people in this chapter, they're pointing to a hope that's beyond their lifetimes. And in that, we find them practicing faith. Practicing faith. They all died. They, they all came to the end of their lives. But while they lived, they lived lives full of mistakes and letdowns. But they weren't relying on their earthly reputation. They weren't placing their hope in whatever people could perceive about their lives here. And they weren't trying to preserve the fact that they, that they, were, they were being admired or looked up to. They weren't trying to just preserve that. They received a promise that was beyond them, a promise they did not live to see fulfilled. Their faith looked forward to a person. <laughs> it's the second time. <laughs> Their faith looked forward to a person everyone would place their hope in. Even as the text says here in, in verse 38, it says they were too good for this world. And a couple of verses later, verse 40 says, that God had something better in mind for us than the picture that these heroes could give us. 
No matter how heroic we imagine them to be as we quote them and draw inspiration from their lives, they died hoping in someone who could achieve more than they could ever achieve. They died hoping in someone who could achieve more than what they could achieve. This is faith. This is the faith that we now have access to. This is the faith that we practice. This is the faith that we apply in our circumstances today. That we would not rely on our accomplishments, our platforms, or our influence, but that we would have what these people died hoping for. These people died hoping for something beyond them. And this is what we step into today. This is what we have the opportunity to participate in today. The fact that they trusted God without seeing his promise fulfilled is what caused this author to conclude that this world wasn't worthy of them, that this this place could not confine them, that they saw something beyond their own lifetimes. And what we have, Today is his promise fulfilled. We're able to see and interact with the promise fulfilled in the present and living Jesus Christ. This is the promise fulfilled. This is what they aspire to. This is what they hoped in the purposes of God culminating in the person of Jesus Christ. As we see him, we know our hope is not cut off. We, we have a confident assurance in the promise fulfilled. We see Jesus and we know that our hope lives. Our hope doesn't die. We have Christ forever perfected. For We have Christ forever living. We have Christ forever perfected, forever living. Our heroes can die and they can let us down, but we have Christ who will never die and who will always fulfill his promises. We should look to our inspirations in different ways. We should look at them in different ways than what a typical hero would represent for us. We draw courage, not from what they do, but who they hope in. We draw courage that they would live lives to hope in Christ. We draw courage from that. We are encouraged by seeing that example because that is what we're being invited into today is that we look to Christ and we are gaining courage. We are gaining inspiration. We are gaining a a, a devotion to this Christ who has perfected every hope in human history. People who hoped in the true and living God are now able to see that hope living in the incarnate, the present Christ. Many, we find, are hoping in themselves and how well they can display their own abilities. We find that often and we know that there's expiration on how well we can display our own abilities. We can't keep that up for too long. But when we hope in Christ, when we place our hope and our trust in Christ, when we practice faith that sees him as our reality, we know that he has accomplished all that has ever needed to be done. There aren't any higher abilities. There there isn't any higher performance than Jesus. We hope in him. And we know that he's accomplished it all and our final validation 
comes from him. If he says we are known, we are known. If he says we are loved, we are loved. If he says we are safe, we're safe. If he says that we are free, we're free. We can spend our lives investigating this hope simply by better knowing our Savior, our Lord, our King. And my encouragement to you when you leave this moment is to investigate your hope. Come to know Jesus that much more deeply. Maybe it's not in a conversion sense. Maybe you've already come to faith, but there's always more to explore about the goodness of our Lord, the goodness of Christ. Sometimes when we read verses that we may have read years ago, we see something new today, and there's always an opportunity to feed at his feet, to pursue him where he is, and to come to a greater understanding of his love, of his truth, of his provision, his protection. All of these things can constantly be a sanctifying development in us. It can sanctify us in deep ways. So we need to investigate our hope. We need to define who we place our hope in. That leads me to a few questions. Who do you place your hope in? It's an important question, especially for now in our our country's uh, social moment, our, our climate. Who do you place your hope in? Who do you place faith in? Are you confident as you read this chapter, that in some sense, you know God better than these heroes. The scripture seems to imply that that we do because it says that something better is set aside for us. To to see Jesus, to actually be able to navigate the gospels and, and see what manner of life that he lived in front of us as human beings. This is the incarnation. He came to earth. These these Old Testament prophets, these Old Testament patriarchs and heroes that we observe, they did not see Christ. They knew that he was foreshadowed in the words that the prophets spoke, in the law that Moses gave. All of these things were, were a foretaste of what was to come. And now here we are today with full assurance in the person of Jesus, in the person of Christ. You know God better than these heroes. How can you be sure? Are you investigating Christ? Is your hope in your leaders or influencers who say it just the right way and can brand themselves as the ones that you should hope in? Is your faith in them or is your hope in Christ? We can strengthen our faith when our heroes fall. That's the kind of that's kind of the weird thing is we can actually strengthen our faith when our earthly heroes fall, we see all kinds of examples here in this chapter, and we don't have time to go into the specific ways these heroes fell, but what we should see when these heroes fall is the fact that Jesus is still who he says he is. He's still the one we can hope in. When our heroes fall, when they fail, we can still be reassured that Christ is merciful, that he is holy, that he forgives, that he restores, that he strengthens, and that he'll never die. Sometimes I feel like that's the point of watching our heroes fall. That's the whole point is to discover that they should never be the people that we hope in. But we look 
and we find Christ still being who he says he is and applying his love, his wisdom, his protection, his mercy in so many different ways because we came to the end of ourselves. We'll see it clearly as this next chapter tells us explicitly to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So investigate your hope, investigate, do those introspective Uh, Do that introspective work of of determining who you place your hope in. When you find him, you find in him a living hope that this world's truest heroes would die for. That's what it means to be heroic, is to live this life determined to place your hope in him, with your hope fixed on him. My hope My hope is directed in a defined sense. It's it's to find Jesus. I can't hope in anything else, nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but, but just wholly lean on his name. He's a solid rock, and he's who we should place our hope in. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. I thank you that we can continue to hope in you. Give us truth, peace, love, rest, even during these times. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.